Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from... KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to explore another movie. And for this evening, um, maybe less of a movie and more of a documentary. We are going to reflect on the movie Won't You Be My Neighbor, which of course is a documentary on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Fred Rogers, a discussion I am very much looking forward to to having and having with Father Mike. So, uh, Father Mike, as always, great to have you in studio with me. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. So, Father Mike, won't you be my neighbor? As I just noted, it's more of a documentary, per se, than movie. Mm -hmm. And what I really enjoyed about this documentary is there were extended interviews with those who were on set. So, it allowed us to get to know this Presbyterian minister, (laughs) Fred Rogers. And I open up with that because... Some of the criticism out there about this man was he wasn't know, human enough. I don't know if that's the right phrase, because I would argue he was as human as anyone, but um, he wasn't a normal person. Well, what those folks said who knew him best, who basically lived with him on set, they had a lot to say about his humanness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think one of the great questions that this uh, documentary tries to speak to, and I think it's a question in the culture, is... Uh, is this man, was this man really like this? Yeah. You know, is this what he really was like? It was the question that came up again and again and again in the documentary. And the people who know him really, I mean, they spoke to that and and they said essentially, yeah, this is really who Fred Rogers was. And I think there's something very rewarding about that as a watcher. Now, we we watched these episodes as kids. I did, you know, and there are reruns, of course, by that time. But um, I think that speaks to actually a pretty important question. Uh, Are you... Who you say you are. Yeah, I mean, for the same reasons that we want the movies that say they are based on a true story to be actually based on a true story, do we want Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, to be the man who we watch on the television screen? Oh, yeah. And I saw, there's a lot of footage in this documentary of, of Rogers outside of the show, you know, testifying before Congress and so forth. And so it's kind of neat to see him be the same guy without the puppets, without the sweater. You know, that there's kind of an integration between the man and the message. And uh, as a minister, as a public figure, I think there's something so satisfying about mm. that, that this man and what this man has to say, there's no separation there. Yeah, that was actually a deeply moving part for me when there he was <laughs> in this house, uh, this Senate house, and uh, what was it? They were going to strip the money from PBS. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> they gave Mr. Rogers the floor. And the senator, if that's what we're going to call him, says, we can't hear you just read for 10 minutes. And Mr. Rogers says, okay, fair enough. But can I sing to a song I would sing to my children, uh, to the children I minister to? And the song is really why I do what I do. Hmm. And it was a very simple, beautiful hymn song speaking to uh, why children are so important, Hmm. that each and every child needs to hear that message you are unique. It's right? yeah. something you and I have talked about here a lot, Father Mike. And when he was done, <laughs> you know, the, the senator says, 
that's beautiful. It's wonderful. Here's your 20 million. The 20 million is yours. (laughs) Like, oh my God. So certainly God was using this man. Oh yeah. And and to give Mr. Rogers some context, and you've hit it on it already. I mean, the man's a Presbyterian minister and you would never get this necessarily explicitly from watching the show Mm. or listening to anything that he said. But it's very clear that he understood his work as ministry and as a proclamation of the gospel. And at the heart of that gospel is this deep belief in the dignity of the human person. Mm, mm. And he he preaches that message with such clarity and with such consistency, and so simply, and yet look how powerful it is that he can move Congress uh, simply by speaking about, I want to sing to children about their being wonderful because of who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. One might call that wishy-washy or not very theologically sophisticated, but I, I just think that that is the heart of the the kerygma. In the end, if it's wishy-washy, then God is wishy-washy, and yeah. we know that not yeah. to be the truth. Right. Right? There's something about speaking to that first principle of the dignity of the human person, that first principle that you want to know what? You are chosen, uh-huh. you are loved, and therefore... You are special, and you have a special vocation. Yeah. You have a special calling. But as Fred Rogers said, you know, until children know that they are loved, they cannot grow. Right. And what's interesting, just studying his life, and we talked about this, this was a man who had all kinds of principles, you know, and had deep beliefs uh, religiously, politically, and otherwise. But what's fascinating, and I think the genius of his proclamation is he understood that while all of that is important, if you don't nail this first part first, the rest of it doesn't make sense. Like this sense of the dignity of the human person is the foundation upon which everything else is built. If that foundation isn't solid, the building isn't solid. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a real lesson to be learned for all of us. Right. And he did it in such a simple way, but at the same time, a powerful way, Mm -hmm. power within the context of transforming. Yeah. One of the things that struck me in the beginning of the movie is Fred Rogers saying, television could be used for something wonderful. He understood that a great number of children were going to the television, and so he met them where they were at, a real principle of the new evangelization. But it wasn't enough to just speak to children. It was the how he spoke to children. So he went beyond the just meeting them where they're at, and he really met them (laughs) where they're at as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. And as he did, he was with great simplicity, with great kindness. I think kindness was the virtue that properly belonged to Mr. Rogers. One of the things that he took issue with was how the television was speeding up, more chaotic, more noisy, all of this, and he wanted to quiet that all down. And that's what part of his message was all about. If the virtue of kindness can speak to something. It speaks to the quiet act. Oh, yeah. Right? It, it speaks to the silent act, hmm. right? There wasn't a lot of noise. There wasn't a lot of bang, bam, you know, Batman, Robin kind of thing. Yeah. It was very simple, very quiet. And uh, was it successful? Well, of course it was. I mean, Mr. Yeah. Rogers, Fred Rogers became an, an icon pretty quickly. Now, the other side of kindness... Father Mike, is that it does not begrudge other. Right. In point of fact, it goes to the very thing that one might begrudge and ministers to it and allows what he's ministering to, to in turn minister back to him. And I believe 
Fred Rogers knew that as the other's poverty was ministering back to him, it was also ministering to the television audience. I think that's one of the, the crown jewels of his quiet sure. uh, preaching, if you will. Yeah, I mean, he's such a great uh, exemplar for, for the new evangelization. As you said, he got into the, the most modern tech and kind of milieu of his time with his gospel message, and he, he preached it with, with kindness and with acceptance. I was looking for a quote here, uh, St. John Chrysostom. He says, more than anyone else, the Lord knows the true natures of created things. He knows that moderation, not a fierce, not a fierce defense, beats back a fierce attack. Mm, and that's I, I, beautiful. Yeah, and I think you know one of the things that strikes me uh, about this show, looking at it as an adult now, and I didn't realize it as a kid. This guy, he really put himself right in the middle of conflict when oh, it happened. Gosh, I mean, he stared it in the face. Uh, a fierce attack, if you will, uh, to put uh, Chrysostom's terminology there. He says, but he understood that a fierce defense was not the way to go. There's a great scene when, uh, you know, he's dealing with the news and whatnot where black people and white people can't be in the same pool, and there's they, they show some footage from the news of people getting hosed down and all the violence and whatnot, and uh, he puts himself right in the middle of a cultural clash like that, by uh, smiling and washing a black man's feet in his pool in his yard, and he looks at the camera and he just smiles. Yeah, it's yeah. so powerful. I said, man, this guy's so gutsy. Yeah, but the, there's a purity to it and a and a truth to it that made it powerful. And I just I think it's something that we need in today's climate of discourse. The way that we, as a public, engage around hot issues, it's so oriented towards attack. And defense, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, just a fearless, pure, uh, kind of kind truth. I, I really feel like there's, there's, he's a powerful witness to the new evangelization for us. Uh, he modeled something that I, that I don't think has become uh, dated. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And it's interesting, you know, we talk about the new evangelization as using the tools before you. Okay, he used television, um, props, his puppets, this kind of symbiotic relationship he had with the puppets, which was a fascinating question for me that I, I haven't necessarily nailed down. I know there's something there, but that might be for another program. Yeah. But he used all of this stuff, and yet, if we're going to talk about the new evangelization, you always have to remember that you're preaching the gospel message that, that doesn't change, per se, no. but is adapted to its time. And that was a beautiful moment for me, because... He goes into the heart of the gospel, yeah. specifically the gospel message, where Jesus is washing the feet of the twelve. Peter says, "What on earth are you doing?" Yeah, right, yeah. and he says, "Washing your feet." You know, it's like see, and it's so beautiful. And this, I think that, and part part of this is because he's dealing with children in a de developmental stage, but he preaches the gospel by modeling. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I think that that continues to be the most powerful way to preach it. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't get involved in the rhetoric of whatever the issue is. He doesn't pick a side. He just models Christ. I had a priest friend who told me that uh, he used to prepare two different homilies, and maybe you can speak to this, Father Mike. One homily was to the teens, and another homily was, well, for all of his other masses. Hmm. And he, he told me that one Sunday he had three separate parents come up to him and say, you know, your homily to the teens is better. And he started to ask himself the question, why? Hmm. Why? 
he quickly realized that whether we think that because someone is 35, 45, or 55, they might get it more, that's probably not the case. Yeah. We need to simplify the message and allow that simplification of the message going to the core of the message, speak to all people, just not the four, five, six-year-old, or for that matter, the teenager, but all people. Yeah. Because there's something about that message to the you know, four, five, six-year-old and teenager that transcends age. Yeah. I couldn't help but think about that last night as I was watching this movie because <laughs> the way Mr. Rogers was speaking to the four, five, six-year-old, it was sure speaking to me last night. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm 43 years old. <laughs> yeah, no, I, me too. It's powerful. I think that sometimes in preaching and evangelization, um, we get the, the mission wrong in the sense that we feel like our task is to draw out the complete map and connect all the dots for the listener. But I think that the, the, the deeper task of evangelization is to facilitate the encounter, you know, yeah. because inside of that encounter, the learning takes place and the openness and the, and the transformation and conversion, all those things. So I think you get into the pulpit or you get into the classroom, you get with your friends and we have to explain it all, yeah. you know, and make sure that there, there are no gaps. I really feel like the new evangelization is rather being facilitators of encounters with the Lord. Fred uh, Rogers speaks to deep simple truth, and it leads you uh, into these other discoveries, I think. Well, the deep, simple truth, but as you speak of the new evangelization is tied to the facilitation of the encounter, the facilitation of the encounter that always includes that murkiness, mm-hmm. right? And, and Fred Rogers wasn't, as you had highlighted, Father Mike, he wasn't afraid to go there. He facilitated that encounter, and as he was, he was taking all of these difficult situations. I mean, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood opened up with a teaching on war, and, and then he addresses divorce, he, he addresses all of the major issues of his time, and you use the word guts, very gutsy. Oh, yeah. But what led, what led him to do what he needed to do was because he knew that those who he was ministering to needed to come to a deeper understanding of just not all of that which was going on in the world, but the God who is love. Not in a wishy-washy way, right. but the God who is love in light of what has been revealed in the gospel text. Yeah, and I think that the brilliance of his preaching or of his message, uh, his willingness to just place himself in the middle. And when you think about it, uh, whether he's talking about Vietnam, whether he's talking about racism or whatever the issues, he, he doesn't necessarily propose, and, and largely probably because he's dealing with children, but he doesn't really propose a solution or an explanation he simply places himself at the scene of the crime, if you will, as a neighbor, yeah. you know, yeah. as a friend. Uh, and he models maybe what Christ would do as, as neighbor. Mm. I mean, the, the whole premise is uh, this man is not threatening. He's your neighbor, and he wants you to be a neighbor too. This is the, uh, the heart, uh, r- really, uh, in large part of the gospel as well. People are arguing, you'll remember that, that great parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Yeah. The Pharisees and whatnot are arguing, well, okay, we're trying to figure out what our obligations are and to whom, so tell me, who is my neighbor? Who's, who is the one I'm supposed to love? And Jesus turns around and says, no, be a neighbor. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think his political genius, if you will, because he does wade into those waters, essentially he says, be a neighbor. Yeah, and what does his wife say at the very end of this documentary? She says, I suppose that the phrase, won't you be my neighbor, and I think my husband would agree with me, is but an invitation. Mm. 
is but an invitation, an invitation to think more critically about what's going on. Yep. You know, he puts himself in the middle, not saying this is right, this is wrong. I mean, he had his beliefs, but he understood well as a minister, but at the same time as a teacher, I'm going to invite you to think critically about what's going on here. But he was planting a seed, Father Mike, and I oh. think that's also part of the discussion because when you fast forward in this documentary, they have him meeting with folks who are 25, 30, 35, our age, who are in tears when they meet him because he yeah. ministered to them. And oh, I, yeah. I thought that was another powerful moment. It's powerful, and, and he strips uh, he strips the moral question down quite simply to, you know, whatever the scenario, what would it mean for me to be a neighbor? Amen. Um, I'll share with you, Father Mike. Uh, we moved about three years ago, and uh, I've made a point to get to know my neighbors over the past three years, quite close to some of them. But for one reason or another, our neighbor directly across the street from us, we just haven't connected. And she came by on Sunday night, and uh, she invited my wife to a gathering. And it was a little emotional for me, because I didn't know her name. It bothered me. I failed as a neighbor. Hmm. I looked at her, and I looked at her daughter, and I just thought to myself, darn, Joe, I don't even know her name. It was embarrassing because my son came to me and said, I don't know who's at the door. And I thought, he didn't know who was at the door. Mm. I failed as a neighbor. Mm. You know, and I thought about that last night watching the movie. What does it mean to be more neighborly? It means to go across the street. God taught me a lesson this week. And it's not a coincidence that we called an audible last week right, <laughs> right, yeah. to, to air this. And, and I'm really looking forward to now getting to know this neighbor across the street. I mean, we say hi, we, we, we give the nod, but something was, was there for me. And I, I share that story because in the end, this message was for me as much as anyone else. Oh, yeah, for all of us. And that, that whole idea of walking across the street, I think that you know one of the great difficulties we're facing right now as a culture is just polarization. And uh, when we look for solutions to problems, it's almost always along these lines of us versus them and me against you. Uh, I, I think that there's a, a, a synthesis that's being proposed here, and that is that we're not going to solve our problems that way. Yeah. I mean, going across the street simply means having a conversation with someone who disagrees with me. Yeah. You know, not to say that you know, my neighbor across the street disagrees with me. I don't know. But that's the problem. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting. You, you watch the footage, and he, he uh, waded into the pool a little bit in terms of adult programming, and it just didn't work. Yeah. And, I, I was struck by that, yeah, actually. And, yeah. And it's uh, one of the very interesting things just about his manner is he's such he's so present, Mm. And it works with kids. He just sits there and listens and looks at them. And uh, for adults, that that made for awkward programming and awkward television. And I think just in our relationships, that kind of is awkward. You know, uh, we very rarely spend time together where we're just present. You know, we're yeah. fishing or we're bowling or we're playing basketball or we're watching TV, which is punctuated by a conversation back and forth. But uh, real presence to the other as other. Uh, that's hard for us. And and his show really brought that out for kids. I mean, you have video footage where he's really just tying his shoes, putting on a sweater, stacking cups. I mean, but there really was this about him, this culture of presence. And I think for adults, I think especially as loud as everybody is proclaiming their message and all the, the clamor of public discourse, this uh, discipline of, of uh, kind of defenseless presence, openness to the other, I think that that's a powerful uh, message that he preached, not with words, but by by modeling, as he did. Yeah. 
a defenseless quiet, if you will. That's yeah. part of that virtue of kindness, right? Some of the most moving scenes for me in this documentary was when he was with the quadriplegic and we, when he was with the uh, other mentally handicapped kid, it looked like the footage wasn't real clear when I was watching it. But in both cases, you know, he either grabbed their shoulder or just grabbed their hand and was looking into their eyes mm. and very intently listening, yeah. but at the same time responding to what they said. And as a minister, getting a sense of what it means to be you know, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old who is suffering. Presence means listening. Presence means being quiet. Presence means asking the question to yourself, what is this person saying to me? Hmm. That, as you spoke to so well in one of your homilies recently, that I might not just reply for the sake of replying, but <laughs> first understanding to then better reply. Oh, yeah, listening for the sake of replying instead of listening for the sake of understanding. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things that was enjoyable for me about this movie, you, you brought out the quote, uh, Rogers is speaking about technology TV, and he says, how is man going to use his mirror? How will man use his mirror? Oh, and that just lobbed it over the plate oh, yeah. for us in <laughs> terms really of did. what we're talking about, the world stage, yeah. oh, human nature reflecting yeah. on itself. So that was just, you know, that quote was just like a, a high five moment, Joe. I, I would yeah. high five you on that. <laughs> yeah, really the was. other thing, you there was a great quote at the beginning that you had brought up, and I wanted to ask you, we didn't touch base on this. Mm. But uh, he's a musician, and in the beginning, he's kind of playing oh, the piano. yeah, yeah. And he says it's harder to move from F to F flat than it is from F to C, something like yeah, that. Yeah, he says, um, and this is in the opening scene of the documentary, he's there playing the piano to really highlight that music was his first language. It was kind of his coping mechanism he shared growing right, up. Right, <laughs> His wife said, if there was no Fat Freddy, there'd be no Fred Rogers. You know, it was, <laughs> he was kind of ministering to himself in and through his music. He talked yeah. about that throughout the... A documentary, but he opens up with this kind of reflection where as he's playing the piano, he says, what I want to do is help children mature, mm. help children progress because life isn't easy. Yeah. You know, I can go from C to F, he said, and oh, that's easy. And he, he showed what it, what it looks like to go from C to F, but to go from F to F sharp, that's something entirely different. See, you know, that's so fascinating to me. How do you understand that? Well, I mean, he understood what child development was all about. Huh. And as we talk about the messiness that he went into, he understood that these children lived in that messiness. Yeah. And uh, he, through his own experience as a child who lived in a great deal of messiness, ultimately, how to minister to it. So he thought to himself, yeah, I've had times in my life that have been good from C to F, but I've also had times in my life that I've had to go from F to F sharp and I think I could help kids work through that uh, messiness, uh, especially in a day and age that has to deal with assassinations, divorce. You know, he had a series of programs on divorce. Mm -hmm. And so he entered into that wonderful art of listening, that wonderful, wonderful art of listening, and just journeyed with children. And yeah. he did it in their messiness. Yep. Not always good. And he understood that. And, you know, in a messy world today that hasn't become less messy, I think we still need great preachers who are willing to be present in the middle of all of that and to speak with clarity what is so much the center of the gospel, uh, the dignity of the human person. He says, I love you, you, because of who you are, yeah. and I want to be a neighbor to you. Mm. I think that that continues, ought to continue to be uh, the heart of our proclamation, and what a wonderful witness to how powerful that can be. Yeah. 
some of the homework I did on this program, on this documentary, was tied to the timing of its release in 1967. So just to give some historical context here, the number one primetime episode during this time was Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Mm. Wow. The number one morning show during this time was Mr. Rogers. Wow. This just isn't in Christian networking, if you will. This is across the whole spectrum. Wow. So here you have in the morning, Mr. Rogers, and then in the evening, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. A very different way of communicating the message, but both glorifying God. And I have to say, Father Mike, that warmed my heart. Because when you talk about that great message of, you are special, you are unique, I created you because only you can glorify me like you can glorify me, it's not reduced to just one person, but all people. Archbishop Fulton Sheen glorified God. And he couldn't do it like Mr. Rogers did. Mr. Yeah. Rogers glorified God, but he couldn't do it like Fulton Sheen did. Why? Because Fulton Sheen was Fulton Sheen, and Mr. Rogers was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that, to me, is so important. I'm sure, Father Mike, you know, you're a priest, and a lot of people want to be like Father Mike. I have two sons, and my oldest son is, man, Father Mike's cool. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. I love that you look up to Father Mike. But I say to my oldest son, and I won't embarrass him with his name right now, but I say to my oldest son, there's only one you. Right, exactly. And what you have to understand is that God is calling you to glorify Him as only God can call you to glorify Him. So important. If, if you were to ask me what's the lasting impression of Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? It's that. Affirming that message. Everything else follows. Yes. Amen to that. Everything else follows. Uh, the heart has to first be evangelized in the truest sense. <laughs> and by yeah. that we mean uh, the individual has to know the child has to know that they are loved. Yep. Not in some wishy-washy way, but they are loved in a very concrete way. You are special because God created you for who you are. Only one who knows that they are loved will understand the demands that love makes on a person. Mm. Amen. I'll close with this thought, Father Mike, uh, a thought that comes to us from Fred Rogers. I don't know if this came on the heels of 911. He actually came back for a special episode to address 911, and he said, um, Sometimes we need to know tragedy to feel love. Hmm. What a powerful line. Yeah, it is. How can we not think about the cross? Yeah. That which is the most tragic event in human history is at the same time the most beautiful expression of love. Yeah. Amen. Somehow that continues Amen. to be the mystery of yeah. our life. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Father Mike, very good. I enjoyed this discussion. This is a discussion that could easily continue for another 30 minutes, yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, as always, Father Mike, I just want to encourage our listening audience to send in the request for what movie they wanted to hear. You know, by the way, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, or Won't You Be My Neighbor, we did this because, uh, as it turns out, we did get two requests, but this was 90, I think 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, oh, it, it came through yeah. very high. Yeah, you should check it out. If you haven't watched it, it's so worth yeah. it. Oh, very moving. Yep. And if you're anything like myself and certainly my wife, you'll be <laughs> you'll be in tears. See, I never cry, so I didn't have that experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think I think you were crying at Murder on Orient Express. What are you talking about? All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, you are the author and the upholder of that deep human dignity which you have blessed us with in your image, we ask you to continue to bless us and all of our listeners, you who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.